Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's a chilly Monday morning. <clears throat> wow, January 29th, 2024. So glad that you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. I'm sipping from the old coffee mug here. It's a reminder that this morning's devotional brought to you by Maple Street Biscuit Company, Killarne. Always wanted to, to say that. I feel like a college football coach uh, hosting his call-in show, having all the, the bottles of soda in front of him as their sponsorship um, representatives. Anyway, I digress. You're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Word of God. So what we are doing is we are making our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are studying the passage uh, during the week that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. So what this does, it gives me a running start into the text for the week, but most importantly, it hopefully helps to give you an idea of how I'm approaching a passage, the tools I'm bringing to bear on unpacking God's Word, trying to understand a passage in its context, how does it apply to us, and so you're getting some tools, hopefully, that will help you in your own personal study of God's Word. All right, so we are now literally turning a corner, as you're going to see, in Matthew chapter 16. So let me read the passage for the week and then sort of scope out um, what we want to try to do today and for the upcoming um, times together this week. All right, this is Matthew 16, verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven or the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? or the seven loaves for the, se the 4,000, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So one of the things that we've talked about in the whole I think there's a science and an art of biblical interpretation, but when we think about the science of biblical interpretation or hermeneutics, um, we, we, we understand that we can't just come to a passage cold, jump right into the middle of it and say, this is what it means to me. Um, many a heresy, many a false teaching, many um, a deviant teaching or theology has been born out of such things. As my professor in seminary um, has remarked, you've heard me say this many times, you can quote the Bible and commit heresy. 
And so we want to approach the text like the original readers would have approached this text and first to understand this is one big story. It's a narrative. It's a selected biography of Jesus by Matthew, Matthew who was an eyewitness. There were no chapter divisions, no verse divisions. And so as we're looking at verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 16, I think the first order of, of context or the first order of interpretation we want to understand is what comes before this. How does this fit into the broader scope of Matthew? And we know that Matthew has been writing to Jewish Christians um, to marshal proofs and text and evidence that Jesus is, in fact, the chosen Messiah. And he's been doing miracles to and, and teachings and healings to with a variety of responses to people, right? Um, some in the crowd loved him, some followed him, some hated him. The religious leaders absolutely hated him. Um, and all that is important because what we see in chapter 15, right before this, is that this is Jesus's first and only excursion into Gentile territory. This is the only time that he ventures out from his home country of Israel, of the land of Palestine. He um, is journeying. He's been primarily in the northern part of Israel by the Sea of Galilee and Nazareth. He has spent time, of course, in Jerusalem. We know that from the Gospel of John. But here, he has been hanging out in the Decapolis region, Tyre and Sidon, which is in modern-day Lebanon. He, he's been He's been doing miracles and works among the Gentiles. But look at verse 39, and I think this is really key. When This is what I mean when I say turning the corner. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Now, when we were in Israel doing a Four Oaks trip, uh, gosh, it's almost seven years ago, six, six years ago now, we went to the ancient excavations of Magadan, or Magdalene, that's Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magadan, um, where we saw the synagogue and the ruins of the synagogue and the excavations. And so if you look at a map, you know that now Jesus is back into Israelite territory. He is in a city that is firmly Jewish, that is um, part of the nation of Israel, and that's important because that signals to us his mission to the Gentiles is over in terms of his earthly ministry. Now he's back in Israelite territory, and what we're going to see, okay, that, that's what's come before, but what we're going to see afterwards when you look through Matthew is that Jesus is now making a slow but purposeful march towards Jerusalem, and he is um, going, of course, to Jerusalem to die. And that is his mission. And what we're going to see in Matthew from henceforth is that the closer Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the more the um, conflict and opposition, particularly from the religious leaders, heats up until it ultimately culminates in their murder of him in Jerusalem. Now, knowing that, what we then have, we can like as we we can now properly situate verses one through twelve in that. This is the first showdown of many upcoming showdowns 
between Jesus and the Pharisees, okay? And again, look at that Look at that stark transition. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Amazing things among the Gentiles. But then the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him. And they were asking for a sign from heaven. Now, before we can just really start digging into this passage, what I'd like to do, the first go around, my first exposure to a passage is to sort of note or flag all of the initial questions or issues or, or um, ambiguities or confusion I might see in the text, things that I know that we want to explore further, things that we want to get more information about. And the first thing that should be obvious to us in verses 1 through 4, if we've been studying Matthew, is that this sounds off, an awful lot like an interaction that Jesus had with the Pharisees in Matthew 9 and t or 10. I tried to go back and look. That's, that's one of the things I want to note. Where, where they, again, they asked for a sign. And again, he says, no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And this seems to be a repeat. Now, I don't think we need to assume that Matthew is repeating the same scenario. This seems to be in a different context and location. But we've heard this before where the Pharisees have come and asked Jesus for a sign. Jesus has responded by saying, you're asking for a sign shows your wickedness of heart. I'm not going to give you any more signs except the sign of Jonah, which of course he means his death and resurrection. And we'll talk about that more. So how, how does that fit into what's happening here? He, he's, he's, he's having a similar scenario. It's an abbreviated one. Right In the previous text, Matthew explicates this in much more detail, but here it's just kind of a reference point. So that's the first thing I want to do. I want to go back and look, where, where have I seen this before? What did we note about this before? What did we learn about this before? Then we go down to verses 5 through 12, and there's a couple of immediate um, questions that, that jump out, right? So this theme of bread continues from before. Jesus has done the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, and now the disciples seem to have a question about where their literal bread is going to come from. But Jesus is also speaking about a metaphorical bread, a leaven, so to speak. And, of course, leaven um, being the yeast that's kneaded into the dough and, and the second kind of set of questions I have is, what, what, what's the significance of that? Because this is not um, a, a small theme in Scripture. There seems to be a lot of mention about this leaven and unleavened bread um, there that, that has Old Testament roots. Um, what does it mean in this particular context? And I want to know, so I want to explore um, the 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 nature of the use of this word leaven, how it functions in relationship to God's people, because obviously it's not just about a physical yeast, it's there's some sort of spiritual dynamic in play. And then finally, the third set of questions I have um, is that verse 12, Matthew gives us his commentary. When Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Hmm. 
Now this seems, this is how we are connecting up these, you know, verses one through 10, that whatever has led the Pharisees to reject Jesus, test Jesus, ask Jesus for a sign, even though they've seen many a sign already. And this idea that this their, their heart in this is part of the heart that they bring to the teaching of the people. And so we want to try to understand when Jesus says the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which, which teaching? Is he speaking about the whole kind of the whole corpus of teaching? We, we know from Matthew there's been several deficient points of the Pharisees' teaching. On one hand, sometimes they teach the right things, but they don't do them. Sometimes they do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. Other times they add to the teachings of God's Word and burden people. Um, sometimes, yes, yeah, so, so, so there, there's a number of ways that the Pharisees' theology and teaching is aberrant, okay? And so what we want to do is we want to go back in Matthew and look for those times where Jesus is saying something about the Pharisees and Sadducees and their teaching, all right? So those are three things that I want us, you, to explore between now and tomorrow. What's up with this idea of leaven? What's up with this idea of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And um, thirdly, where have we seen this interaction before about the sign of Jonah? So those are the three things that I'm gonna wanna find out more about before I just start willy-nilly jumping into the text. Now, let me say, there, there, there's one, one thing that we can say for sure as we, as we, um, as we jump into this study this week. And it's verse 12. Beware of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is a reminder, okay, that we are always being taught. Taught by someone, something, some person, some source, some social media platform. That's the nature of, of us as humans made in the image of God. We're always learning. We're always soaking in information. We're always... Uh, attending to something and incorporating it into our worldview. You cannot not be taught, okay? The question is, who's doing the teaching? And what is the source of that teaching? And I want you to think about what the dominant forms of information are that you disseminate or assimilate and disseminate each and every day. How much of that is based upon, fueled by, empowered, and built on the Word of God, and how much of it comes from other voices, whether it be benign or maybe antithetical to the truths of Scripture, and to realize that this has not just an informational effect, it has a leavening effect which means it spreads itself out just like yeast in a dough to all aspects of our life. So let, think about that, do your homework assignment, and I will see you back here tomorrow. Lord, we want to be shaped, influenced um, fundamentally by the Word of God. So Lord, 
would you help us to be on our guard? Would you help us to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? Would you um, give us wisdom as we study your word this week? And Lord, we ask now for your help and um, empower us with your spirit as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.